In popular culture, Afrofuturism is best known by its sci-fi imagery, depicting the African diaspora utilizing technology as a tool of empowerment or an imagining that employs otherworldly environments to emphasize the alien nation popularized by the work of Sun Ra. Maybe many entered the world of Afrofuturism through the gateway located in Wakanda. In whatever ways you have come to this place where African diasporic culture meets at the crossroads of speculation, one central question must have crossed your mind. How can I create this future I see so vividly depicted by many but understood well by few? This guiding question is at the center of our meditation. How can we create the Afro-future? It is a deceptively simple question I would hear asked by my community members looking for themselves in an uncertain world. Certainly, the concepts being popularized through the works of Afrofuturist artists are not new. Somehow, though, through our radical imagining, they are being felt in new ways. It's my understanding that this radical imagining of Blackness in the future cannot be what is intended to be without the full participation of everyone searching for a world outside of the one we are presented every day. A world where Blackness can grow in creativity and peace. A world where the focus of our lives is centered in practices that encourage innovation without requiring assimilation. Ah, but therein lies the rub. A phrase that means, that's where the problem is. How do we imagine a world of peace when we do not exist in peaceful times? How do we utilize our culture when, through assimilation, we forget what that culture looked like? How does the African diasporic community participate in the innovation industry when we are locked out of innovation and creative practices at every turn? So often it feels like these questions are overwhelming, especially for those who wish to use the creativity of Afrofuturism in their lives whether it be through homeschooling, organizing, community outreach, or artistic practice. If these questions resonate deep within you, then I want you to breathe. (sighs) Breathe deeply. Breathe again. And know we got this. Now join me as I meditate on all the ways we can use our imagination and creativity to design the future. I look forward to what we create. Thank you for joining me. Um, We're on our last episode of the creative practice and um, What I've learned so far about the creative practice is that the creative practice is a literal mental health journey. If you're not healthy mentally, if you don't feel good about yourself, or if you're not in a process of like trying to learn more about the world and yourself, then you're not going to feel very creative. And I wanted to know, what does creativity mean to you? Um, And when you answer that, can you give me who you are and 
just a little bit about yourself. Oh, wow. Um, so my name is Peyton. I am a, a musician um, from Houston, Texas. I was, I was raised in so many different areas of Houston, but I definitely um, um, feel the most connected with my upbringing in Third Ward. Um, <clears throat> the creative process for me, um, something I will say is my whole life, I've, I've definitely just been um, impressionable in the best way, like just very open to like different mediums and like trying to uh, incorporate the things that I've seen in my life and like what how they make me feel and putting that into uh, my own art and like who you're around does impact you right yeah and I sure. wanted to know yeah about that I well what I, I was trying to say is that I I, I feel most connected with Third Ward just because I uh, I moved to Third Ward when I was 13. So I was coming of age. So mm. I um, feel like I mostly identify with it. But, um, hmm, that's an interesting question. I mean, when I was, um, by the time I was 13, I, or, yeah. I was on my way to HSPVA, the high school for the performing and visual arts. And I would say, you know, I was young, so I wasn't able to really experience third ward as much because it was still in development and um, it was a very new environment. Um, and um, I would say my family um, wanted to make sure I was um, safe because there we lived right by emancipation and that was before you know they beautified it and things like that so I feel like at times I wasn't able to really experience but just being in the um the atmosphere of it was a lot for me I mean um it, it was still positive um um I would say just I I felt um, very safe there like even though I I hadn't like wasn't able to immediately experience all of what third ward had to offer I did feel very safe and um, as I got older um, throughout my growing there I was able to experience more I mean I would say um, there are so many different uh, people in third ward and um, it it does allow you to just be yourself and be in your own bubble and ha and be a part of the community community when when you like and um, I guess that alone is inspiring because my whole upbringing has been about community I've always had a great sense of community so. I just want to hear a little bit about like your current projects. Like what is something that's really inspiring you currently? So I would say like, I, I'm still like getting inspired by the things that I did when I was a kid. 
just any like the things that I thought were incredible and maybe I'm just inspired by like timeless things but currently hmm I would say um do you do you mean like music wise or just anything that inspires me anything that inspires you but also based on what you told me you said you'd like a lot of timeless things like can you name something that you feel is timeless Hmm, I would say like certain architecture, um, fashion, like there's some fashion that, of course, there's some fashion that's like dated, or it's like, yeah, that's not gonna come back. But you know what, a lot of times with fashion, it does come back. So like fashion definitely inspires me, like the energy behind it and what you can bring to it, depending on a combination, definitely inspires me even with my own music um just the energy behind it and um I mean there's so many things there really are so many things um yeah the two things that you just named so I'm going to go to school for design and designed objects and um that basically means that like I design things like furniture I design things like jewelry I design rugs, I design, I just design things. Architecture is a part of design. And the whole thing about design is that you're trying to express something that's complicated in the most simple way. And you're doing it through things that people can touch and feel. Mm -hmm. And you're saying like the thing that you really appreciate about fashion is the ideas that go behind it. And I'm starting to hear like, you just really like design because design has a whole bunch of ideas. Like if you ever listen to someone who is a designer, who designs architecture, who designs anything, they're gonna talk a lot about these bigger ideas um, that go into the physical thing that you have in front of you. And um, that kind of leads me into this other strain of thought that I've really been having, which is like, for African-Americans for so long, um, especially in like our education practices, we have always gotten like the short end of the stick, so to speak. Um, we've never really been able to like design our own life um, because yeah, we always exactly. had to fit into something else, right? Yes, definitely. I just feel like um, today everyone is like really eager to to design their own life because now is the time like now is really a chance to do that and to really figure out what what that looks like um but there is something that you did bring up that just kind of led me to another thought that i had which is creativity is like communication because you went to HSPVA, so you had a very creative education, but not everyone gets that. And so from my experience, because I've been a teacher, some students are in schools where they don't get to have art classes at all, and they don't really get to go outside at all. Um, they're just kind of stuck in a classroom. And I just kind of feel like if you're not allowed to be creative through the arts, then you're not able to communicate in all the ways that you could communicate. Exactly. Um, what was it like for you to have a creative education? 
Well, um, I mean, it's crazy. I, I mean, my whole life I had a creative education. Every school I went to was geared towards the arts. Growing up in or being in Mo City and being in Pearland, um, they didn't have they didn't take the arts serious. And my um, family were very serious about the arts, and they knew like especially my grandma knew the proper places I needed to go so I could get the best education with that. So that's why I mostly went to greater Houston schools. So I went to Parker Elementary and then um, usually it's they um, when going to Parker, they plan for you to go to Johnston. I was um, being different and it was like, oh, I don't want to go. Like, let me try something out and meet new people. And uh, I went to Pershing, which it wasn't the best for the arts. <laughs> it was just good for science and math. But my and my grand my grandma was so distraught that I decided to go there. So she was like, "No, like we have to still make sure you have the best education with uh, your arts." So I was still going to lessons and like um, being involved in ensembles and art class outside of school and. Um, then my my grandma even finessed to where I didn't even have PE for like a year or two because I had orchestra and choir. And then after that, I got I went to PBA because I was like, yeah, I mean, I obviously need to go to art school. And um, um, it was cool because then I I um, I was able to see all the people I grew up with. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I would say having that that education. Um, I definitely felt the importance. Like I never took it for granted. Uh, I thought I was always so uh, prideful of my education and, and um, yeah, I, I feel like I, I was always safe to like be myself. You know, that's why it was so interesting when I went to Pershing because that's the first time I had experienced like uh, being bullied, the first time I experienced uh, colorism um, um, within my own community and um, really understood racism and just just learned about a lot of stuff that I feel like I wasn't I didn't see or didn't fully understand when I was at Parker because they taught us about like certain things I mean when, when it comes to like racism and stuff like every year we would watch my friend Martin and then we were like okay we get it like you know racism is a thing um but then like actually experiencing it and like learning other things um like it was just it was just quite an experience but because of my belief in myself and just being able to have that expression I was so confident and comfortable within myself so even if I was ever talked about or whatever I of course it was kind of uncomfortable but I wasn't like oh I wish I was different because I really like liked myself a lot and I I um think that is because of the arts I was always able to express myself so I know myself, like I knew myself being young. So it didn't matter if someone talked about me, it was fine. Cause I liked myself and 
anyway, anyone who's ever bullied me is a fan of mine at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love that. I mean, honestly, so you're reinforcing a lot of things that I've heard from others. For example, I talked to um, a professor, her name is Dr. Tanisha, and she was saying how when she was younger, her parents were big advocates of her having creative a creative life, right? Like they made her learn how to play the violin and made sure that she was always doing something creative. They would put like butcher paper on the wall so her and her um, siblings could like draw on the wall. And her family really always wanted her to like not feel as if she couldn't be free. And like this equation of like freedom to being able to be creative is very interesting to me. And I feel like I hear elements of that and what you just told me, like your family really, like your grandma specifically, but she really wanted you to have like a creative life. And she advocated for that so that you had those experiences. And when it came to the point to where you were being um, bullied or policed because of like, racism you were able to find peace and to be free like in a way that some people aren't and I just find that really interesting you know like I really think that that is something to be explored like how does creativity increase our understanding of what it means to be free yeah I would say like I mean, there's so many ways that art has allowed me to be free. I mean, um, for one, yeah, it's always been a place of solace for me. Um, so um, I would say um, it allows me, obviously, to, like, say what I want and, like, feel what I want and be able to um interpret it in so many different ways like also I I mean just being creative is an extension of God and um, it is a privilege to just like be able to uh um uh, um worship in the way you'd like um so I will say me personally um, I, I love to create when I'm in a good space, when I am, um, inspired. I mean, some, it's, it's just a good outlet. So if you, you're sad or you aren't feeling the most positive, um, positive, uh, emotion, it is good, a, a good outlet, but I wouldn't self-sabotage or only wait, um, for when I'm in turmoil <laughs> to create, um, but me personally, overall, I would say I do like to create when I am at peace because that's definitely my my happy place. So I typically like to um, meditate on what I'm doing and just take time. And when I'm ready, I just I just get going. Okay, so yes, I'm right there with you. I mean, on my own journey, I've always said that art is a way to kind of investigate the unknown. And there's mm -hmm. only so many ways to do that, right? Like if you really don't know something, like if like you're like, I have no idea what the answer is, 
like you could pray, you can meditate, you can do art. I and I I I think that a lot of people are just now, I feel, coming to understand that part of creativity. Um that it is connected to your spirit. Um, that it is connected to in a way like your belief system. When you're being creative, what are elements that you use to to enhance like your ideas? Like what are some themes that you explore in your creative practice? I guess just honesty, like raw emotion. Um, I, I would say like I, I I've always just wanted to um to just make uplifting art or things that can heal um so that is a common theme and um I feel like every time regardless of if I am talking about God or not that it's definitely um it it shines um God's presence shines so that is um a constant theme but I would say and, and also I just I like a lot of stuff too like I I'm like very like much so a person who's like oh let me understand this or I understand this and I get it and I like it you know um so I feel like I'm always adding on to the things that I've always liked um I actually really like that I actually Okay, so this leads me, I know that I keep on saying this leads me into another thought, but like a part of design thinking is really thinking through like your your own emotions, feelings, and actions. And a big part of what I'm trying to do is understand, like, again, I'm trying to understand our community because a lot of people say similar things, like very similar things. For example, um, using your actions and your honesty in a way to like show how to do something or like using your storytelling as parables, like learning opportunities. That leads me into this thought that I had with Dr. Tanisha, where she was saying that a big part of her creativity is an idea of like, what does it mean to, to, to be civil or like to have like a civic minded practice? Um, so for example, like, Dr. Tanisha, she's just a bit older than me. She's like 40 or so-ish. Like I'm 30 or so-ish. And if I'm going to guess, are you like around 20? 24. 24. So like this kind of like lets me think of things generationally. So when she was talking about her creative practice, she was saying that her father was a part of the army. And he believed that like you should act in a way that makes like society function. Um, you should be accountable. You should be able to be an honest person that people can look up to. And um, she feels like, like she took that message, but she was also like, I wanna be like a rebel. <laughs> so like her idea of being creative means like being accountable, being civically minded, acting in a way that people can learn from you but also like pushing the boundaries of what people feel is acceptable. And honestly, I, I kind of, I feel like I'm getting a little bit of that from you as well. Is, does that sound accurate? 
Um, definitely. I totally agree. I love how we can all have like different experiences through generations, but kind of all come back to the same idea. And for me, I feel like when you use the word black, like it gets muddled, like nobody really knows what the word black means. But when you take time to like actually investigate the things that we experience and then just like kind of talk about them candidly, you get a better idea of like, what does it mean to actually be black? Cause that word is so loaded. And I've met a lot of people, like when I was 26, I was teaching middle schoolers who were around 13 and they didn't want to be understood as black, even though that they were black. And I just mm -hmm. think it was because this word has been used in ways that they didn't associate as a positive thing. So what did um, they like to be referred to as? They didn't want to be no like they, they resisted labels. They didn't want to be known mm -hmm. as black, but they also didn't want to be like labeled at all. They just mm -hmm. wanted to like grow and be. And mm -hmm. I think that's a really utopian idea. Like I get it because when I was younger, I felt very similar. Like my dad would tell me things like, you talk like a white person. And he grew up in a very different time and I didn't appreciate that. And I had like so many problems with these categories of black and white. And I think that is something that really led me down to the path that I am today. Because like black can be a, being black when understood in context to like who you are as a person, as a black person can be positive. But like, let's say if we're looking at someone who's from the outside making assumptions about black people, being black can be uh, a negative from their point of view. So like, just to clarify, for example, if a white person were to come up to me and say, I want you to make black art, I would have a lot of questions, like a lot of reservations, because for them, black art means, in my head, it means struggle. <laughs> it means like art about black people and black bodies being policed or killed. It means music about being poor. It means like all these things that like I in my spirit and my soul don't want to weigh me down, you know? <laughs> I want to explore all the aspects of life. And when someone uses black in that way, I find myself trapped. So I think that's what my middle schoolers were feeling when they said, I don't want to be black, you know? And it made me sad because it just, Cause like, I know what I, I feel when I'm in community with other like-minded people who are black, you know what I'm saying? Definitely. So that's Have you ever, yeah, like, I want to hear what your thoughts are. Well, I was just wondering, are, are they surrounded by black people ever? I, I feel like w once you find a, a community uh, it helps or you know sometimes when you are in like an environment where it's like predominantly one thing or if maybe just the community is small you don't have a good understanding they were the school was mostly black hispanic 
and there were some Asian students. Mm. But ironically, there were no, there were no Caucasian, there were no white students in that school. Mm-hmm. They lived over close to Westheimer-ish. So that was the area that they were from. And honestly, I don't especially think you have to be surrounded by white people to be trapped in a a negative understanding what blackness is. Exactly. Um, I was going to say that, like, no matter what, like, they could even be, like, subconsciously, like, you know, there's no white people around. So it makes them feel like lesser even. But that's due to, like, you know, just what they've picked up on. Um how people have like I, I don't know just how uh, society has made everything seem like you must be in the presence of whiteness because whiteness is the best you know um so even that alone not even seeing any white people like is not enough like <laughs> if you know what I mean <laughs> mm. yeah honestly it's it, it gets really confusing over time because like like I went to private school and I was like surrounded by white people. I was probably like in a, in a school of like 400, 500, there was probably like 12 black people. And um, I had very bad experiences um, that like I still, like they still affect me emotionally. I feel like I have PTSD. Um, but then there are other experiences, like you said, where you could not be among any white people and you still come out with like a lot of really interesting but negative emotions around it. Um, I honestly want, so like when I was reading books like Their Eyes Were Watching God by Zora Neale Hurston or like Toni Morrison books, they, they talk a lot about this, but basically like I want a community that embraces the same values um because i don't think it's helpful to have a community where you only look at skin color um and and that's something i really appreciated about going to the elementary school i went to because it was very diverse but like i said i learned about all of these things but i was like okay i know about that but i don't experience that not like not like oh that can't happen because I don't experience it but it was just like okay I learned about it and I was just kind of glad I I I didn't experience that and I thought I was just so immersed in my community I I almost thought like you know I would never run into that or like you know and especially being so young um and so that's really interesting when I got to middle school like that's why it's so funny. I went to Pershing and Pershing when I was there, at least it was predominantly white because it was like in the Bel Air area. I mean, there was a lot of different types of kids, but mostly white, black, Hispanic, but definitely a lot of white people. And um, it's so crazy. Like, honestly, I never really got bullied by a white person it was always something colorist going on within my own community. That's when I first was introduced to colorism because it was like other black people making me feel bad or I, I'll never forget, like this definitely affected me. Um, when I first, I think I was in sixth grade. Yeah. And I first got to Pershing 
every time I would see this girl on me, she would be like, why, like, why is your hair long? Like, just, she would just bother me about that. Like, why does your hair look like, th-? and my hair wasn't even that long. It was just like past my shoulders, I think. <laughs> but <laughs> she just kept bothering me. And like, it started to affect me. I didn't realize how much it affected me. But I remember one day I'm like, mm, I think I want a haircut. And then I got a haircut. And then I'm like, oh, dang, that really affected me. <laughs> um, yeah. And it's interesting because really, it's like almost like I never really interacted with most of the white people there anyway. Um, I mean, some, like sometimes, I mean, because they would be my classes here and there. But I just think that's funny. Like, I, I just mostly was experiencing colorism over racism. And I think it's like, it was just the underlining feeling of like, we have to like measure up to these people, but they're not even worried about us, you know? Honestly, I agree. Like (laughs) there's a couple of things that I think factor in, for example, like um, wealth and money. Yeah, because it's there, they lived in the neighborhood. (laughs) Yeah. Like, whenever people are trying to, like, measure up, it's oftentimes, I feel, because they feel they'll be valued more if they look this way or they do this or they say that. Um, and with the hair, I get it. Like, my, my own family, like, my cousins would always tease me about my hair, but it was the opposite. They were like, your hair is really short. Um, I think... At the time when that was happening, there there was like a prevailing experience that Black people didn't have long hair. Like, um, there was this song that I hated. Um, it was called Chicken Heads. And <laughs> I remember that they would sing that when I would walk by. And it just was the worst kind of bullying. Like, I freaking hated it. Um, And I know that led me to like grow my hair past my butt now. Like I have really long hair now. Uh, And honestly, I've thought about cutting it, but I just don't want to. (laughs) Like it has affected me in just that way. I just, I don't know. Like I, I don't think that we get away from this country without having our a lot of our own emotions that we have to work through. And I think a big part of designing a life that we all love is trying to minimize that, uh, I guess that dynamic of people needing to measure up. Because if you have a life that's designed to fit you, then like, just like you were saying, like, like white people have lives that that fit them you know Mm -hmm. they have neighborhoods that are designed to support them they have systems that are designed to help them so whenever they come across like pettiness like it just flies right by them and I feel I feel that you know we I know we're on our last 10 minutes I wanted to know what are your final thoughts on the conversation um I mean all in all I would just say I I am um very blessed to be black and I am grateful that I 
grew up in a household that was very serious about um, expression and um, <clears throat> and glad that I, I've, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm just blessed in that way. That's all I can say <laughs> because I am able to be myself and I've always felt comfortable in being myself and I pray that every kid gets that opportunity. I love it. I'm very blessed that you have had the experiences that you have because I feel like it, even though we have our own individual stories, I feel like it, it leads to a bigger picture. And one of the things that my mentor told me is she should, she said, you should always listen to the people who only you can talk to, you know, like not everyone's going to have a chance to go talk to the, to your grandma. Like I can't go up to your grandma and be like, give me life advice, Peyton's grandma or vice versa. It's not like you can always um, tap into other people's networks. Mm -hmm. So like engaging your community, the people who are supporting you in the long run, it's invaluable. Um, Cause those people aren't always going to be there. And like, you never know what once, what, what someone says, how that's going to come back later. <laughs> that's always something else that I feel is timeless. It's like these memories that we have with our community and the things that they give us are presence. And we don't know how they're going to bless us, but as we live life, it kind of comes back to us over and over again. So um, I want you to tell me, where can we find you? And um, do you have anything like a shout out that you wanna give before we say goodbye? Um, I want to shout out Third Ward. I want to shout out my appearance. I want to shout out All Real Radio. And the people can find me. I, I'm practically on everything. Um, you can find my music on all streaming. That's Peyton, P-E-Y-T-O-N. Um, I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. I, I'm on TikTok kind of, but um, I usually just use it to watch videos. But <laughs> you can find me uh, on Twitter and Instagram uh, at Peyton, P-E-Y-T-O-N, or it might, you might find me if you type in Payday, P-E-Y-D-A-Y. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for inviting me. I, I look forward to the, the next time around. Yeah. Thank you for everything and have a good day. You too. All right. Bye, Peyton. Bye-bye. My name is Shatana Powell, founder of Artivism Community Art located in Houston, Texas. Artivism Community Art is a production company that creates community-led media. Our products and services accommodate the lack of participation in creative fields among African Americans of all ages by providing resources that teach the philosophy and design of the African diaspora. We help people diverse in age, race, and ethnicity who want to know more about Black culture create their own system of learning by providing resources and tools through our monthly subscription box. According to a 2019 study by SMU Data Arts, Less than 6% of African Americans are employed in creative fields in Houston, Texas. Less than 4% participate in cultural activities, despite the fact that African Americans make up 18% of the population. 
During our conferences between 2016 and 2020, Artivism Community Art found that the cultural practices of black and brown people are not well represented in the arts culture and education industry, resulting in a lack of participation and employment in creative fields among African Americans. Our products and services increase representation in the arts by employing black and indigenous creators to create and design culturally situated curriculum and art that centers the culture, lives, and history of black and indigenous populations. During our gatherings, both virtual and physical, we display the work and have interactive experiences, increasing opportunities for black indigenous voices to be seen and amplified. To learn more, visit artivismcommunityart.com. Thank you.